This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around. Snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. Today, my guest is Donna Kay. Donna is a board-certified holistic health and nutrition practitioner, two times international best-selling author, and the CEO and founder of the ADHD Thrive Institute. As a mother of a child with ADHD, she knows firsthand the struggles that come with parenting a neurodiverse kiddo and the freedom that is possible once parents learn to reduce ADHD symptoms. Donna has been featured in Forbes and Authority Magazine and on Medium (laughs) Influensive, Thrive Global, and various other online media. She has also been a guest at multiple parenting and ADHD summits and podcasts. Her mission is to help families reduce ADHD symptoms naturally so that children with ADHD can thrive at home, at school, and in life. Hi, Donna. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Casey. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really glad to have you. Tell us a little bit more about your journey to writing this book, which is Thriving with ADHD. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely a personal story behind it. And, you know, 
as in my bio, I do have a son that has ADHD and he was diagnosed when he was four years old. And, you know, like most other people, the first thing you do is you go to the doctor and the first thing we were told to do was take prescription medication. So we were handed the prescription medication and we went off to the pharmacy. And look, to be honest, between you and me, the diagnosis was a relief because I wasn't a bad mum. You know, I it wasn't my parenting that was doing this. And I was really excited to fill that prescription medication. I was thinking to myself, this is going to be the pill that's going to fix our family. We all want that pill. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and look, it was great until it wasn't. And, you know, at first he was great. He calmed down. He used to suffer from a lot of hyperactivity, a lot of meltdowns. You know, I sort of always felt that we were walking on eggshells. He would never play nicely with his younger brother. You know, typical ADHD symptoms. And so some of those things really got better when he went on medication. But then all of a sudden we started to get other symptoms that weren't there before. And so we went back to the doctor and they increased the dose. They increased the dose again. Then they added on a second medication in the afternoon. And then they added on a third medication in the evening. And then when the doctor was about to hand me the fourth prescription medication to treat basically all the symptoms of the other three medications he Mm. was on, that's sort of when I went, this doesn't seem right. You know, at the time my son was five. How can a doctor want a five-year-old boy on four strong medications? And so, uh, you know, that's when, you know, I threw up my hands and said, there has to be a better way. And I threw myself into all the journals, the studies. I went back to school. I did my holistic health uh, nutrition degree, multiple specific certifications in this particular area. And I really learned that ADHD symptoms can be reduced naturally. And Mm. I learned how food has such a dramatic effect on our body. Today, my son is 13. He's in middle school. He's thriving. He hasn't been on meds for years. But I think the most important thing for me is he's happy. And, you know, our whole family's happy. Is he a 13-year-old teenage boy? Yes, he is. And, you know, there's obviously challenges that come with that, but he's doing great at school. He's doing great at home. And, you know, we're just having those typical teenage (laughs) issues that any family have. And look, once I learned that and once I saw the effects of the strategies that I implemented with him and the effects that they had on him and our whole family, I couldn't keep that to myself anymore. And, you know, I really sort of wanted to not have families out there suffer like I did. And I did for such a long time. It was really, really difficult for me and my family. And it just does not need to be that hard for everyone else. And so that book for me is a labor of love. You know, prior to that, I obviously launched my business and I've now helped over a thousand other families get to the same place as me, but just way so much quicker. Mm-hmm. And then that book came after that where I, you know, because I obviously got to adjust things and then yeah. that book's a labor of love. So I so appreciate your work and I think it's so important. I think about, I was a teacher a lifetime ago and saw, you know, I remember having a student whose parents were really showed up committed to a more natural approach. Although I don't really know what that meant to them at the time. And Mm. I was really young and, you know, was only making sense of it as best as I could. But I remember whatever they were doing really wasn't supporting him, wasn't making a big difference. And then they put him on, you know, I think it was still back in the Ritalin days. And he came and I remember thinking to myself as a teacher, like, oh my gosh, it's so much easier with him medicated. However, 
the affect Mm -hmm. and the way that he, like his spark was so dim and it was heartbreaking to be Mm -hmm. inside of that tension of, well, it's easier to have him in the classroom, but oh my gosh, where is this kid who the personality inside of the ADHD, I loved, like he was such a fun kid. So, you know, in my family of origin, I have a sibling with ADHD and You know, the first thing I want to say, and I know that you know this, is I know that like we're here talking to parents about something that's really tough and we're all doing the best we can with the tools that we have. And I love that you are speaking out about just an alternative way of being with these kids. And so I'm wondering about your son, you know, and really this is, we're going to talk about diet, right? And how we're feeding our kids, how they're feeding themselves. I'm wondering, and I know it's lessening and helping with the symptoms. Are there still pieces? I mean, it's not a cure, right? There's still pieces where he gets to do a little, like there's still a neurodiversity there. Interestingly, I would be surprised that if he got, uh, went back and had a full assessment, if he would get diagnosed with ADHD. Really? Really? Wow. And look, in 50% of the families that I work with, that's usually the case. And so what that tells me is that out of the 6 million children that have been diagnosed in the USA today, probably 50% of them are wrongly diagnosed. Mm. You know, ADHD is real. Mm -hmm. There is a time and place for medication, for sure. I'm not totally Mm -hmm. against it, but to be constantly increasing the dose, fighting uh, symptoms that were created from that, adding on new medication, that's wrong. And for a kid that age, it's actually detrimental to them. And so, when the body's in a state of inflammation, and that's what it is like for our kids, they're mm-hmm. in a state of inflammation, they can't function at their best. And also they can't receive that medication the way that they should. And so you end up in this vicious cycle. Yeah. So talk to me about the Thrive Method, because that's what you are all about. So what is the Thrive Method? Yeah. So it's, look, it's really about reducing the inflammation in the body, the brain and the gut to allow our kids to thrive. And, you know, as I said before, our kids are in a state of inflammation and I like to think of it like a bucket. And, you know, you might say, well, you know, one kid eats the same diet as the other kid. Well, how come this kid is okay and this kid isn't? And that's because of a multiple different factors. So we're all born with a metaphorical bucket and the goal through life is to keep the load on that bucket low. So the toxic load on that bucket low. But, you know, some of our kids, they're born Uh, may already have stuff in their bucket. So for my son, he was born and he was in the NICU for two weeks. He was on the CPAP machine. He wasn't Mm. breastfed. They gave him medicine as soon as he was born and multiple times during that two weeks. And so he already had stuff in his bucket. Now, some of us can empty our buckets out of our body relatively easy so we can keep that load low, you know. And so when we're exposed to certain things, it really doesn't matter because we can detoxify that stuff out of our body. Whereas other people, they really struggle to empty their bucket. And so the load on their bucket gets higher and higher and higher and higher until it tips over inside the body. And that's where inflammation and symptoms come out. And so really the goal of the ADHD Thrive Method for Kids is to reduce that inflammation in our kids' body and allow them to thrive at home, at school, and in life. So talk a little bit more about that gut-brain Well, I want to say too, like, oh man, I could use less inflammation in my body as well. But talk about the gut-brain connection and how it impacts symptoms of ADHD. 
Yeah, look, I think that's a really good question, but I just want to touch on what you just said (laughs) about reducing inflammation in your body. I can tell you that everything that I'm talking about is not just about ADHD. Right, yeah, Everything I'm talking about really relates to most people in this world. You know, inflammation can show up in so many ways. It may be a pain in your back or a pain in your arm. It may be in, you know, you've got gut issues or going to the bathroom, you know, multiple times a day or not going to the bathroom, you know, (laughs) only a couple of times a week. You know, it can come up as brain fog. It can come up as rashes. There's so many things that inflammation cause. And so this is really just a global approach to health. But, you know, obviously I'm specializing in kids with ADHD, but the gut-brain connection is huge. And I want to sort of start off by talking a little bit about the immune system and why I think that the increase in ADHD has like gotten so much over the last sort of 15 years. 80% of the body's entire immune system is within the gut wall, along with billions of nerve cells and an extensive amount of beneficial gut bacteria. So all of our health and our children's health is quite literally connected to everything that occurs in that gut. You know, we speak to families before they come into our program to assess if they're right for what we've got to offer and we're a good fit to work together. And I can't tell you how many of those families' kids have got a history of antibiotic use, okay? Mm. And, you know, they might say, oh, look, they're super, super healthy. But when I press forward, they're like, well, yeah, they've been on, you know, multiple rounds of antibiotics or two rounds of antibiotics when they were first born. And I actually wish I kept a tally of it because it would be really interesting to look at that percentage. But what happens with antibiotics is they work by killing bacteria or preventing it from growing. But unfortunately, most antibiotics, they can't distinguish between the good and bad bacteria. And so what that means is they actually wreak havoc on the gut's healthy bacteria. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, many people actually suffer lasting changes to their gut flora as a result of taking those antibiotics. So, you know, a large percentage of these children have been on multiple rounds of antibiotics, and this in turn is compromising the gut. So, you know, it's not a huge surprise that those disorders are on the rise. Now, I want to tie gut health to the brain and ADHD. And so, What the gut-brain connection means is that, in essence, our brains are deeply connected to our guts. And if our guts aren't functioning well, our brains won't be able to function well either. Mm -hmm. Hey, friends. As a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener 
go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. of the body's serotonin and 50% of the body's dopamine is produced in the gut. And these are our neurotransmitters or our hormones that help us manage our emotions, balance our mood, help our cognitive function. And emotional dysregulation is a common symptom of ADHD. It was my son's main symptom, those tantrums, those meltdowns, they're not normal. That's a sign from the body that something else is wrong. Yeah. And so parents don't realize that this emotional dysregulation actually starts in the gut where that serotonin and that dopamine are made. So the problem then is, you know, not the emotions themselves, but the fact that the correct amount of these vital neurotransmitters are not being made in the first place. So by working to improve that gut health, parents find that a lot of that emotional dysregulation problems solve themselves. It's actually one of the first changes we see, and it can happen within a couple of weeks. It's actually quite amazing to watch. But I think the biggest thing, you know, when it comes to ADHD, you know, the brain has many areas involved in gut function. And the main area is sort of that frontal lobe, which Mm -hmm. is that area in your forehead. And it's the area of the brain that talks to the gut via two-way chemical messengers and nerve branches. But the frontal lobe is involved in things like attention and focus and executive function and planning and organizing and problems solving, which are areas that most people with ADHD have symptoms in. And, you know, children with ADHD often struggle with all of these tasks. And because that frontal lobe is in the brain, Many people are under the impression it's the brain that needs care when in reality it's also the gut that's causing problems. Mm. And I've got a really good sort of way of explaining it. And I used to suffer from this a lot when I was younger. I actually used to suffer from anxiety myself. And 
back in the day. I was on medication for that. But have you sort of ever felt butterflies in your stomach or nauseous in your stomach because you were nervous about something? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like all the time. I used to do it yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. You know, and that's a perfect example of that gut brain connection. Right. You know, our bodies perceive whatever we're nervous about as a stressful situation. And then our brains are triggering that raw emotion in the gut and resulting in that nausea or that feeling of butterflies. But the reverse is also true. So our guts to our brains as well. And when the digestive system, you know, has a breakdown or has a higher level of gut bacteria that's caused by multiple antibiotics, or there's that imbalance of the good and the bad gut bacteria, that creates inflammation. And that inflammation travels through those nerves, the vagus nerve, into the brain. And once it reaches the brain, it creates symptoms like brain fog, which is inability to focus, Mm -hmm. you know, dizziness, confusion, poor executive functioning, you know, and a whole host of other neurobehavioral disorders like ADHD, anxiety, depression, I could go on and on. So it's kind of like that highway, the gut and brain are constantly sending messages back and forth. And so it's really important to optimize that highway and make sure there's no traffic jams or accidents happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm thinking too about, I mean, ADHD has such an interesting history and I did some work in schools for a long time and we would do some trauma training with teachers and how ADHD often can be diagnosed with kids who actually are struggling with trauma. Like it's not even about ADHD, it's about trauma. So yeah, it's all very interesting and so much of it's misunderstood except that you're speaking out about this whole dietary gut-brain connection. I think it is so useful and so powerful. So what are the biggest dietary offenders? We'll start there. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. And I will preface it to say that it's not just about what to take out. It's also about what to put back in, which we will talk Mm -hmm. about in a bit. Right. So don't just get so overwhelmed and go, what are they going to eat? There's plenty of stuff they can eat. But the top three inflammatory foods I will say that I recommend families remove are gluten, dairy, and soy. And that's because these three foods are the top three culprits driving inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're highly inflammatory. They can lead to an immune response in the gut and they can lead to something called leaky gut. You know, the gut-brain connection. Again, that's why we're doing all of this. But I also recommend families of children with ADHD avoid artificial flavors and colors and refined sugar and then reduce the amount of natural sugar that they're having as well. You know, kids with ADHD are in a state of inflammation. They are more likely to have a compromised immune system. That's why they're having these symptoms. So these, you know, foods, they have tend to have a greater effect on the whole body. And it's like we go back to that bucket. You know, yeah, you might have one kid that eats gluten and doesn't react. And then you have another kid that just reacts every time they eat gluten. And that's because their bucket is just so high and we need to reduce it down. And so they're the top offenders that we really focus on. There's, you know, obviously a couple peripherals, but I think they're the biggest ones. What has been your experience? your personal experience, once you figured this out and took all of this out of your diet, I mean, we live in a world that loves bread and sugar and cheese. I mean, like, how do you, I'm sure that you hear this a lot, right? And I want to speak for the families who are making these changes as well. I'm sure it gets super old and annoying to hear this question, but I would love to know what your answer is. Like, how do you feed your family if you're taking these things that are in such abundance out in the world, out of your diet? How are you moving through the world? Yeah, look, 
The diet that the majority of Americans eat these days is CRAP. Yeah, 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 yeah. No wonder we're suffering with so many diseases and illnesses and disorders and all of this stuff. You can say crap on this podcast, by the way. You can (laughs) even say shit if you want, because it's true. (laughs) So, yeah, when I'm talking to families, there's usually kids in the background. So I have to, like, like, keep it, it, you know, PG. So, look, when starting out, it can definitely be super, super overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for anyone listening out there. But I always tell families, Rome wasn't built in a day. And transforming your family's diet won't be a complete in a day either. And I can tell you that, you know, when we started, I took everything out on day one. I took out gluten, dairy, soy, artificial flavors, artificial colors, and 40 food sensitivities that we found out on a food sensitivity test on day one. Oh my gosh. Let's just say- What were you eating? Let's just say I had multiple panic attacks (laughs) on the floor, in my bedroom, crying in a heat. So that's not what I teach everyone. Don't do what I did. You know, it's okay to take it slow. It's okay to take one step at a time. And if the pace that's doable for you and your life is one change a week or one change every two weeks, then that is perfectly okay. And so everyone really needs to give themselves permission to take things slow. You know, and I will say you probably right now, you know, a handful of dishes pretty much every week, like most people do, and that's your normal. What we're doing is we're just slowly adjusting and to a new normal. And once you right. get to that state of that new normal, it's easy. You don't even think about it. We've yeah. been eating this way for years. I don't even think about what to cook. Like it's just my normal. We eat out multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. I don't even think about it. I know what to order. I know what we're going to order. And yeah. there is so much out there. You know, you can even get pizza and, you know, gluten-free pizza and, and dairy-free cheese. Like, Mod pizza, if you don't know if you've got yep. that or not. It is, obviously, you're in Washington State, but I don't know um, if those listeners are in Washington State like we are. But, you know, there's so many other options out there. And that's where really, like, my expertise and my team's expertise come in in our program in the ADHD Thrive Method for Kids. We can help every family overcome any obstacle that they come up against. And because we've just dealt with it before and so many times. And all of my coaches, have been through the program with their children as well. Well, that's something that I really appreciate about your book is your chapters on, you know, barriers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, I work with parents too in a different context and they're full of like, yeah, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but what if, but in my family. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like in your book, you've really kind of thought ahead of like, okay, what is a reader? What are people going to be like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and covered it. And in a really thoughtful and practical way and respectful way. And I really appreciate that about your book. Thank you. So my listeners are parents, typically mostly parents of teenagers, right? And some of them have kids maybe who have only just been diagnosed. I'm thinking about a couple of clients and even a couple of friends of mine who have girls, you know, and I know ADHD tends to present differently in girls. And yeah. so the diagnosis has come a little bit later. I do. While, you know, I know there's other listeners who's like your experience where their kids were diagnosed a long time ago. And diet may not have been a place where they have focused as a place to support their child. Mm-hmm. And now they've got maybe a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old and they're listening to this and they're like, yeah, that's great. But how am I supposed to get a kid to change the way they're eating 
at this age. So what's your advice for those parents of older kids? Yeah, it's a really, really good, good question. And, you know, I think that it's really important to explain the science behind why these foods are so important for them. You know, giving them a new food and telling them what it is and answer any questions they may have about it. You know, and we really want to have conversations, open conversations with older teenagers because, you know, they have been eating this way a long time. They need to understand the why, just like I did. Like, why gluten? Why dairy? That's actually the first thing we teach in our program is the why behind all of this. Because when you know the why, you're more likely to follow through and especially important for them to fully understand why you're doing what you're doing and the impact that food has on the body and in particular on ADHD symptoms. You know, and I will also say that older teenagers probably have some idea about the things that they struggle with as well. Yeah. And so, you know, when you can actually talk to them about like, buddy, the fact that you can't actually focus at school we can make some small changes that can help that gut-brain connection that can help you focus more. So like all of the things that I teach in the program, I'd actually say do it with the teen because then they will really understand why. And I'm sure they don't want to not focus. I'm sure they don't want to have these big up and down mood explosions yeah. at their age. And so you really you know, dial it into what they're experiencing and how it can make changes for them positively. And when they start to feel it in their body, that's when they buy in. And most of the time they do. You know, my son, he's 13 now. Yeah, he goes off and sometimes sneaks something. And yeah, we all know about it because <laughs> we can tell. You know, I say to him, like, buddy, like, you know, can you see your body right now? Right. Can you see what's happening? And he's like, yeah, I know. Like, but sometimes, and I go, look, it's okay. And he actually talks to me now. He's like, what's the best of the worst? Like, if I'm right. going to have something, what is that? And so we have those open and honest discussions. I will also tell you, and this is a little bit off course, but I think it's really relevant for teenagers when they actually see the data about what's going on in their body, they're very much bought in. So, like, we do lab testing as well to have a look at that gut brain connection, to have a look at food sensitivities. And when they actually see it on a lab test to say, your body does not like this food, they're going to be more likely not to eat it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a really good tip for parents is, you know, maybe, you know, invest a little bit more with the older kid because having that data to show them this is not what's good for your body and this is what we need to do to fix it will really, really help with that. You also need to remember that parents supply the food, you know, at least while the kids are eating at home, you decide what to buy and when. Yes, your kids might complain, you know, and can't always control what they eat outside of the home, but you can control what they eat at home. So provide them with those nutritious foods at home. And Rome wasn't built in a day. So like really just making small little changes for them to take them on the journey as well. Don't do it all at once. Of course, they're going to revolt. Yeah. If you do one change, they probably won't even notice. So do it slowly. And they usually come on board. And by the time they start to feel better, they're like, oh, hold on, you've changed our diet and like what's going on? Yeah. So in one of your chapters, you talk about picky eaters and you talk about mm -hmm. reluctant family members as far as like, what are you doing with your family? And I think those tips for both of those barriers, both of those challenges really are useful as we, like you said, create buy-in with our teenagers. And it's funny, you know, we're talking about diet and food Yesterday, I created a little reel on Instagram about vaping and how yep. 
you know, ultimately it's not the parents responsibility to make sure that their kids don't have a relationship with nicotine. It's their kids' mm-hmm. responsibility. And I feel like that comes into play when we're talking about diet and teenagers too. Because I could also see how a gung-ho parent listening to us right now is like, all right, I'm doing this. We're changing their diet. And how something that is so useful could be so useful for a teen becomes not about the diet, but about the power struggle. Exactly. And so I really am appreciating and wanting to kind of reiterate so that the listener can hear, you get to offer supply, you get to inform, you get to share the data, share the research, and then you get to hold space for your teen to recognize in themselves. It's funny too, I'm thinking about other clients We were talking about screens and school and how, well, gosh, even if we take away their screen, they're like, well, screw you. I'm not going to do my homework just because I'm mad at you that you took my screen away. You know, like at the end of the day, we can lead a horse to water, but we can't make them drink. So really Mm -hmm. thinking about and what I'm loving, and I think your book does a really good job. Sounds like your program does a really good job and your coaches do a really good job of like, how are we setting the environment up for success for everyone and not as this control, this push-pull, this power struggle. Yep, so completely agree. Thank you so much for that. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Well, thank you so much for, you know, explaining that to the listeners. I think that, you know, that definitely is the case here, especially for older teenagers. You know, the younger the kid, the easier it is because they don't have that pushback. I think, you know, after the age of 12, that's when they really start to like disconnect themselves from, you know, the parent being like right now under the age of 12, like they really regulate their 
you know, whole nervous system through you and they'll just do whatever you do. And so it is different when you do get older. So I think that question was really great. And the way that you explained that to the listeners was great as well. Is it important for the whole family to adopt the diet that's closer to the child with ADHD? I would say that the families that do that have the better success. Yes, it's definitely helpful. It's not necessarily required. But, you know, as I said, I found that the families that are the most successful do tend to make the changes as an entire family. That way, you know, the child doesn't feel alone or called out or different. You know, another benefit of the entire family making the changes is that all of the food within the house will be safe. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to worry about a child sneaking food that's not good for them. I will tell you through, though, that many of the parents, my husband included, don't always follow the diet 100%. And, you know, at our house we do, but he will go off and eat it, you know. And a lot of them eat like their child when their child is around, but then Mm -hmm. cheat a bit here and there. And so that's a better way of doing. That's what Mm -hmm. my husband does. You know, and even though this is what I've been doing for years and even though he's seen the amazing changes in my child and all of the families I've worked with, he still makes that choice as an adult. Yeah. You know, I can't lead him to drink the water. Yeah. So, you know, every family has to make their own personal decision about this, but I do prefer the entire family to make the change if they can. And to be honest, like the changes in the parents are just as phenomenal (laughs) as they are in the children. And it's even extra exciting because the parents actually then feel what's going on in the child's body because, you know, children can't articulate the way they feel very well compared to us adults. But when the parents can actually feel what's going on in their body, they then can relate to the child a lot more as well. Yeah, it's profound. Everybody feels better eating that way for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing people are thinking, and I know I sit inside of this sometimes too, because I have done this food diet for myself and feel so much better, Mm -hmm. like in the mind, in the body, in the muscles. And there is this question of like, well, God, and you'll have to tell us, I'm sure that your program addresses this, but like, how do you know if you're taking out, and most of us have lived on this CRAP diet, especially those of us in the States, how do we know what to eat? when we take out these things that seem to be everywhere and in everything. Yeah, look, the best piece of advice is anything that doesn't have a package. Yeah. You know, for you to be like super knowing that it's not got gluten and most things that don't come in a package don't have gluten on it. You know, if it's fresh, whole, nutritious, fresh fruits, veggies, grass-fed animal protein such as meat, poultry, seafood, Mm -hmm. eggs, Plenty of healthy fats to feed the brain, you know, like coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, lots of spring water because, you know, water helps you detox the body, but also, you know, helps remove toxins that are already there. So that's as well. So really it is focusing on those things. Now in my program, we literally have shopping lists for every major supermarket out there, Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, Costco, Mm -hmm. Thrive Market. Trader Joe's, Joe's, Fred Meyers for the Pacific Northwesterners. (laughs) We don't have Fred Meyers. Oh, come on. (laughs) Because there's just honestly like majority of the families that I work with aren't actually in. You know, I think I've had two clients in my whole business in all the years from Seattle. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Well, maybe you'll pick up some extras from this one. Because I (laughs) got a lot of listeners in the area. Right. But yeah, so uh, we provide 
substitutes for things because kids have to be kids. We can't expect them not to have treats, not to have cake, not to have this. So we do provide you with options for replacements and you're not going to be able to eat all package, uh, all whole foods. Like realistically, there'll be people out there that will tell you, you should only eat whole foods, but it's not realistic with a family, a busy Mm -hmm. family. You need to have packaged foods and so we really provide other people the families that work with us, the solutions around those different things. That really simplifies it, though. Simply saying, like, don't buy stuff that comes in a package. You know, that is like, oh, right. Because I looked at that list and I was like, but where's the protein? Where's the?" And then I remembered, like, oh, right, this isn't a vegan. This isn't a vegetarian no. diet. This isn't. No. And you spend a whole chapter on money-saving tips. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm wondering, which is super useful information, and... I'm wondering about time-saving tips because it can feel Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, if I'm not buying anything in a package, I have to make everything from scratch. And, you know, frying an egg isn't a big deal, but other kinds of things that you might be making could start to feel like a big deal. So what are some time-saving tips? Yeah, look, I've got, you know, a lot of those for sure because I can tell you between you and me, I do not like being in the kitchen. I am not a cook. (laughs) I do not want to spend my time in the kitchen. You know, when I first went down this journey, my whole family just like burst out laughing behind, <laughs> behind their, my back because they just know I was the one that would always bring that roast chicken from the supermarket yep. when we had a family potluck. You know, that's what I do. But look, I will just touch on money first. It's definitely, you know, one of the most common obstacles to eating healthier. You know, and I totally relate to this obstacle because you know, I'm not the greatest cook and I don't really like spending that time. And so, you know, I think with money, it actually ties in with one of the strategies that helps you save time. And that's meal plan, meal plan, meal plan. Mm, You know, my best advice for this is meal planning. Choose some meals that can be made ahead of time and freeze them. For breakfast, you can make pancakes, breakfast muffins, egg muffins, and even breakfast sausage and freeze them ahead of time. You can make a big batch of bacon on the weekend and just keep it in the fridge so it's ready to go. You can also make a big batch of overnight oats or chia puddings. Like literally, it takes five minutes to make that big batch and you've got it for the whole week. You put them in those little ball jars, Mm -hmm. put them in the fridge so it's just grab and go. And so, you know, have a day where you do offer a simple breakfast like peanut butter on gluten-free toast or avocado toast with bacon or even a dairy-free yogurt. Things like smoothies. Make smoothie packs where you freeze everything in a bag or airtight container and all you need to do is dump that in the blender and add the liquid and you're set. Again, you can make a big batch of those, like 30 packets if you want, Mm -hmm. put them in their freezer and your kids can just come and do that, especially with teens. They can do that relatively easily themselves. Now, when it comes to dinner, you know... That's the one, right? Four o'clock rolls around and I'm like, God damn it. What am I going to They all want to eat. I know, I know. I think, you know, when it comes to dinner, plan meals that can either be prepped ahead of time or quickly on that evening. You know, plan one night where you've got leftovers. Some of my favorites are, you know, gluten-free pasta with meat sauce. I do a massive batch of meat sauce, freeze them in batches, and then literally just heat it up. I also do these slow cooker bags where I literally put all the raw stuff in the freezer bag, even with the sauce, put it in the freezer, take it out the night before and then dump it in the slow cooker in the morning or even the Instapot later in the day. Things like meatballs, mashed potatoes and peas. One of my favorites is like when I can't be bothered 
is literally Applegate gluten-free chicken nuggets and oven fries. And then I've always got like little baby carrots and cucumber in the fridge, like always. That's like staple in our house. And so on a Monday night, if I don't feel like cooking and I haven't even thought about it, I'll just do that. It's so quick and easy. Another one that I love is sausages. I always buy really good quality sausages from PCCs. You'd know PCCs, but a lot of people listening that aren't in the Pacific Northwest wouldn't. You know, you might go to Whole Foods, but I always keep them in the freezer. You can actually take them out frozen and pop them into the oven and cook them from frozen. And so literally, it's like two minutes and then do a salad. So there's lots of different things. And I can go on and on and on, but meal planning can really help to reduce that stress and overwhelm when it comes to cooking dinner. And if you're, you know, really in a pinch, you can always have breakfast for dinner one night. You know, kids love it. So that's a good one. (laughs) Prep in advance as much as possible. You know, use two hours on a weekend on a Sunday just to get it all out of the way and always have quick meals in your freezer at all times. Seriously. But I'll also say, like, you don't have to eat at home all the time. We do go out a lot find your go-to restaurants. And, you know, at first it seems overwhelming to think about it, you know, going out to eat gluten and dairy free, but it really does become second nature. And so what I do is I'd actually look at the restaurants you currently go to, look at their menus online, just spend 20 minutes putting it down on a piece of paper. So when you're starting out, you know that if you can't be bothered cooking, oh, we can go here and we can order this. Like Mm -hmm. we go to Mexican, have carne asada, beans and rice. We go to Japanese. We just take our own you know, gluten-free, soy-free, soy sauce, which is coconut aminos. We have sushi. We go to burger places. I know lots of places have gluten-free buns, but I've always got gluten-free buns in my freezer if I know that I'm going to a restaurant that doesn't have a gluten-free bun. So but you just whip it out. You just whip out a gluten-free, like out of your purse. Why not? Why not? It never occurred to me, but I'm liking this. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also <laughs> a really good app called Find me gluten-free and it basically helps you find gluten-free restaurants. Well, and what I really appreciate about everything you just said and what I hope the listener is the experience that they're having is like, oh, yeah, why did I even think this was so hard? Because everything you just said reminds us all like it's not as hard as we build it up to be. Now, there is a piece which I think shows up all over the place in the parenting journey and in the lifing journey, which is willingness. You know, like I know about meal planning. Where I get to do my work isn't in the meal planning. It's in the willingness to say, okay, you know what? This Sunday, noon to five, I'm going to go crazy pants and I'm going to do some really good meal planning. I'm going to do some really good meal prep. I'm going to take what I heard on that great podcast, Donna Mm -hmm. Casey, and I'm going (laughs) to create some little packets of sauce. So, you know, all of you out there that are like, oh God, just be willing because what I'm hearing you talk about is something that could potentially change the lives mm-hmm. of families who are yeah. feel like they're in chaos so much of the time because of this ADHD diagnosis or, you know, fill in the blank diagnosis because we know inflammation causes so much stress and pandemonium in so many people. Ah, oh, so good. So good. Thank you so Thank much you. for your work. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that you leave listeners with today before we wrap up? Yeah, I think I just want to make sure to reiterate that you don't need to make these changes altogether. You know, yeah. I don't want anyone listening to feel overwhelmed by everything I've shared today. You know, in fact, I really have found that it's much better if parents don't try to make all of the changes, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, it is a pretty significant lifestyle change. And because of that, you know, cutting these things out can be overwhelming. So 
don't do what I did <laughs> or otherwise you might be on the floor with a panic attack. Really just do it that one step at a time. You know, you could start with breakfast. You could start with one packaged food at a time. You could start with Monday night meals. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but it's definitely important to go slow and make the changes at a pace that won't overwhelm you or your family. I love that. And my final question that I ask all my guests is, what does joyful courage mean to you? I love this question. I think, you know, courage is really misunderstood. And, uh, you know, some people think courage means you're not afraid. But courage is really sort of doing something even when you are afraid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, making these changes I'm suggesting can be really, really scary. But courage is doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, even though you're scared because you know joy is just on the other side. Yeah. Ooh, love that. Where can people find you and follow you and your work? So my website is ADHDthriveinstitute.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, TikTok. I don't want to be there, but I am. <gasps> you have a TED Talk? That's so exciting. <laughs> no, 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 TikTok. Oh, TikTok. I thought you said TED Talk and you're all quiet about it. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, I can tell you that a TED Talk is on my bucket list. Yes, so I will, you and me both, and, girl. Uh, yes, <laughs> I will be doing that. Yes, you will. Yeah, so just search for ADHD Thrive Institute and you'll find me, my book's on Amazon, Thriving with ADHD. Okay, and we'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. Donna, thank you so much for coming on and spending time with me today. Thank you, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.